We have a young man who comes to our four o'clock service who comes up and critiques my jokes every week. And last week he asked if I was going to have any turkey jokes. And so I do. Here we go. What was the turkey thankful for on Thanksgiving? Vegetarians. That's pretty cute. What did the turkey say to the turkey hunter during Thanksgiving week? Quack, quack. You heard the joke already. Don't ruin the... Somebody kick her out. Yes, it was quack, quack. The quack in the back gave it away. Thanksgiving is a time to count your blessings one by one as each relative goes home. A guy walks into a bar, a bar and orders a beer. How did Thanksgiving go at your place, the bartender asked. Ah, it went fine, he said. I had a lot of family over and my wife prepared the meal. I helped out, though. She got a little stressed out and told me she needed some peace and quiet in the kitchen so that she could finish cooking. So I removed all the batteries from the smoke detectors. (laughs) Anybody notice I'm drinking out of my Michigan cup today? Just saying. Did they win? So I hope you had a a great Thanksgiving. Um, We have much to be thankful for. And I know that many of you have had a significant time of spiritual growth in your life this last year because I walk alongside you in this uh, lighthouse community. And I just want to say that if you had had a lot of growth this last year, Um, Ride that wave as long as you can. Uh, It's a real blessing. But most of us here um, can also remember a time or times in our lives when God seemed very, very far away, uh, distant. It was likely a time of difficulty or uncertainty or maybe just reckless self-indulgence. And it's that that we're going to talk about on this Thanksgiving weekend. Yay! Um, And so that's uh, going to shape our question for today. Here we go. Tell about a time in your life when God seemed very far away. Tell about a time in your life when God seemed very far away. If you'd like to answer the question, Flint and James are going to run mics today. I'm hoping that a few of you would be willing to help get us started and be transparent You uh, get their attention, you stand up, speak directly in the mic, preferably give us brief answers, Um, and uh, would somebody be willing to get us started today? Tell about a time in your life when God seemed very far away. Oh, about about 20 years ago when I was deep into my addiction, uh, I thought that was my only escape, and... uh, I'd just go get high rather than, you know, I was scared to go to church because I was high. Hmm. And I just felt like God was never going to rescue me, and yet he did. 
Yeah, thanks, Mark. All right, who else is willing to share? Good morning, church family. Um, two years ago when COVID first came out and there were lockdowns and all kinds of stuff going on, I did. I, I felt God was, was far away, hmm. but I don't feel that way anymore. Hmm. Thank you, Janie. All right, we'll go over here and then over here. Three years ago when my wife found out that her condition is terminal. Hmm. Thank you. I think that God feels very far away from me when I'm in the darkness of depression. Um, not only God does God feel far away, but everyone who cares and loves about me, which ultimately is God, but also everyone else. So in dark times. Hmm. Thank you, Lisa. All right, who else willing to share? Got time for a couple more? For me, it's when everything gets super manic and I get impulsive. But then there's also been times part of that impulsivity has led me closer to God. Because hmm. 10 years ago, it was an impulse move that moved me out here to here. Hmm. Thank you, Heather. Uh, I think I saw a hand up over here. Is, is your hand still up? Hi, I'm Cassie, and um, I think the time that God has felt the farthest away from me is when my brother passed away. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Cassie. Anybody else? Love to do a couple more. Anybody else? Well, uh, this was shortly after I was baptized. it wasn't that God seemed far away, it was that I was pushing him away. I felt mm. that I had everything under control, I was doing everything right, and I could do it on my own. And I basically told God, all right, you can step back now, I got this from here. Mm. Mm. Of course, everything fell apart after that. So, <laughs> Thank you, Galen. All right. Anybody else? Got one more? One more want to share? All right. You're kind of quiet and reserved. Anybody eat too much this week? Is that what's going on? All right. We will wrap up there. I appreciate, um, I appreciate the diversity of answers and the, you know, the transparency in this Lighthouse family is always amazing. So we've been going through the book of Genesis in the Bible these last few months. And as of late, we have been following Abraham and Sarah. I know that some of you haven't spent much time in the Bible. Uh, We have learned that God had called Abraham and Sarah to pick up and move to a distant country and to a new home. And he promised that Abraham and Sarah would be the parents of a new nation. Uh, that we have come to know as Israel still today. Uh, But we've also learned that God was very slow in fulfilling his promises. Well, finally, um, 30 years later, did you hear me? 
30 years later, at the ripe old ages of 190, respectfully, or respectively, Abraham and Sarah have a son by the name of Isaac. And the promise is fulfilled, and the plan begins to move forward. But in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, we have what is a very challenging and, I think, inspiring story that is perfect for our Lighthouse family, as you will see, uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. So I want you to grab a Bible, and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 22, and I'm going to have you keep the Bible open because we are going to uh, read through this story a little bit at a time starting out. So uh, the page numbers are up on the screen in the Church Bible and the Recovery Bible. There should be a Church Bible around you. Uh, feel free to get up and find one if there isn't. And um, we are going to uh, walk through this story. Let me begin with just verse 1, okay? In fact, we will begin with line number 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. That's an interesting statement. Sometimes later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. So have you ever wondered, does God test our faith? Um, and if he does, what is that about? You know, if God is, a, is testing our faith, what is his objective and goal? Um, I want to share this right up front today because to me, it's, if, you don't, if you don't catch this, you're going to miss the rest of what I want to share. When God tests our faith, it is a strength test to prepare us for a challenge ahead. Now, um, sometimes we think, well, God is testing me and he's like waiting to see if I slip up or he's wanting me to fail. When God tests us, that's not what he's doing. When God tests us, it's more of a strength test. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. It's more of a strength test because God knows what's ahead and he's trying to prepare us for what is to come. So if you feel like you are being tested by God, well, then you should get prepared because it means that God's about to move in your life and that there is a promise and a challenge that is yet ahead. So let's establish it. God does test, but it's a little different than what we sometimes think. God's not up there just kind of waiting for you to, you know, fall down or fail. Um, he, he's testing us to strengthen us. All right, verse 2. God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Little side note, that's the first time the word love appears in the Bible. And go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Oh my. That's an interesting verse. Go and sacrifice this son you've waited 30 years for on Mount Moriah. So I want to tell you that there was a time in my life and faith when I did not like this story at all. 
And um, to, be, to be truthful, um, I ignored it. And I did not teach on it. Um, because I would read it and I would get stuck on that verse and I would think that's not the God that I know in Jesus. And um, why would God even ask Abraham? Why would God even suggest such a thing? I want to remind you of something we've talked about as, as we've gone through Genesis, that there have been a couple of times when I have said, you know, there's a lot in the Bible and there's a lot about God, and there's even a lot about this life that I still don't understand. But there are some things that I have come to learn about this story that might be helpful. For example, what we do know is that child sacrifice was very common in the culture of Abraham's day. And in the thinking of the people back then, they believed that the gods would ask for such a sacrifice to guarantee ongoing fertility. And as we will see, Abraham, when he gets this command, it does, he doesn't even seem to question it. And he's already questioned God in the past. He just seems to obey. Verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So I want to suggest to you that one can say that this story um, for generations will serve as an instruction to Abraham's descendants that our God does not require child sacrifice. I just want you to know that because Abraham doesn't sacrifice Isaac. And so this story for a lot of the people back, you know, thousands of years ago, it would have served as an instruction that that God doesn't require child sacrifice. God is the giver of life, and he loves his children. But there is something more here, um, and we need to let the story kind of play out. And so I want to read the rest of the story, and then we're going to talk about it. So we're at verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, so he had to carry the wood himself, for heaven's sake, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, See, Isaac's not a dummy. Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have fire and wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up a knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. 
Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. And life goes on, huh? So Moriah was a three-day journey for Abraham and Isaac. Um, Isaac, his son, who he loved so much. Um, three days. Those three days must have seemed like three years. Have you ever had a time in your life like that? Where like time just, I mean, it's like, was that a week or was that, you know, three years? And I suspect when Abraham was walking on his road to Moriah that God seemed a million miles away. Uh, do you think Abraham might have even been questioning God's judgment? Like we waited 30 years and now this is what I'm going to get back? The road to Moriah is a tough one. And I'm wondering, have you ever walked a road to Moriah? So many of you know that when we started Lighthouse Church, um, I was very early in my recovery journey. And for a couple of years, I had relapses and struggles. Um, believe it or not, I am smart enough to know that if I was going to be, um, lead, if I was going to lead a recovery ministry and continue to struggle, that that was going to be a hard thing. Um, one might say, if I was going to continue to fail at this recovery thing, um, then I don't know what I was going to do. People had taught me to keep moving forward one step at a time. They told me, you fall down, you get back up, and you move forward. You fall down, you get back up, and you move forward. The truth of the matter is, is I would never want to go through it again. And there were times when God seemed very far away. And there were even times when I questioned him whether or not I had heard the promise correctly. 
like it seemed to me the vision for this lighthouse community was so clear as it had been given to me, but I was really struggling with whether I was hearing it or seeing it correctly. So here's what I want to share with you. I now see that those times were invaluable times of testing that have made me stronger, more empathetic, and more understanding. And um, I learned stuff in my recovery that I could not have learned in a book or in a class. And so I have come to realize that that testing, um, though it's hard to see it when you're going through it, was a time of strength testing me for the future. I wanted to tell you that and be transparent about that because I want you to know that if you are on the road to Moriah right now, it feels like... God is a billion miles away. And what happens is we begin to um, question whether we've really heard the promise or seen the vision correctly. And what I learned is I want to share with you, keep going, keep moving forward one step at a time. God is closer than you think and his promises are sure, so keep going. Keep going and don't give up. Somebody say, don't give up. Don't give up. But there is a bit more here. Um, Of course, there always is, right? Um, I think what God is asking Abraham is this. Um, Abraham, do you really trust me or just my promises? In other words, do you love me or just the blessings that I want to give? It's an interesting question. For those who know your Bible, it's a bit um, like the question of the book of Job, which is actually the oldest book in the Bible. And so, who knows, maybe the author was even using the book of Job as a resource. Like in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, Uh, Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has a good reason to fear you, God, for you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is, but reach out, take it away, everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Interesting question. Do you seek God because of his benefits? Do you seek God because of his promises? It's not a very easy question to answer. On the one hand, I want to say, well, no, I seek God. On the other hand, I say, no, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of in it for the benefits too. So, for example, if you are here uh, because you've learned that you need a higher power, because you're not going to be able to get clean or sober without it? Frankly, that's a good reason to seek God. 
Or maybe you want relief from the cloud of depression or relief from anxiety or from the pain of loss or grief and you just want it lifted or or you want your relationship back. All good reasons to be here and all good reasons to seek God. Even we church people deal with it. It's one of those spiritual principles that we learn when we uh, go to church long enough. Um, When we give of our time and our possessions, we're going to get back more than we give. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. The more you give, the more you're going to get back. Um, In other words, if you serve, you're going to find it to be more fulfilling um, and um, you're going to grow more than the people that you are serving. It will come back upon you exponentially. You give of your money, you give of your blessings, your possessions, and you're going to experience blessing. So, for example, my, my family has tithed for years, um, decades actually, um, 10% or more of our income we've given away, mostly to the church that we've been part of all that time. The truth of the matter is, is we've always had enough. You can tell I did have enough to eat this week. We've always had more than enough. Always more than enough. And the blessings have come in so many other ways. It's so interesting how it works. The more you give, the more you receive. Do you believe that? You know, I mean, it's true. The more we give, the more that we receive back. It's just, it's just one of these spiritual principles that you, you, know, you can't really understand it until you start trying it. Um, in fact, the Bible even says that. Try it, it says in, in the book of Malachi. You might be surprised. Um, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, and God says in it, test me in this one. Test me and see if I'm not faithful to my promises. But do I give because of the blessings I get back? Do I trust the promises or do I trust God? Even if the promises and the blessings are gone. That's what Abraham is being asked. So let me just ask you, do you seek God for the benefits? I will tell you this, God wants you to know him as a friend, a lover, not as a benevolent grandparent who's always good for a hundred bucks. That's what this story is about in so many ways. Like, you know, God wants you to know him as a friend. And as someone who loves you unconditionally, someone who you can love back, and not just good for the benefit that he might deliver now and then. I want you to remember that the Bible isn't about righteous and faithful people, but about people just like you and me, and a faithful and righteous God. The Bible is about how much God loves us, and I, I want to remind you of that um, before I close because um, some of you were here when we started the book of Genesis. One of the things that I told you um, is that when we go through Genesis, there are going to be times when you get glimpses of Jesus. 
And there are going to be times when we go through the book of um, Genesis or anywhere in the Old Testament where you begin to realize that this just isn't like a book that's just pieced together, like it unfolds God's incredible plan right before our eyes, just that sometimes we're not able to see it unless it's pointed out to us. Abraham takes his son Isaac and walks for three days on this long journey towards Moriah to sacrifice his son, his only son. Centuries later, another father, we will know him as God our father, the father of Jesus, will walk the long road to Moriah with his one and only son as well. He will walk with him to his own sacrifice And God's son, Jesus, will even have to carry the wood for the sacrifice. And on the cross that he carried, God's son will be placed, and there he will be nailed to it and then lifted up. But this time, there will be no intervention and no voice that stops the sacrifice. And for three days, all of heaven and earth will hold its breath. The one who is sacrificed is God himself. Father, son, friend, and lover. And this sacrifice, this one is for you because he loves you so much and wants nothing more than to forgive your sins and to begin to walk with you towards a better life. He loves you just as you are, does not wait for you to get things figured out before the journey with him can begin. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And his promises and blessings, oh, they are bountiful and certain indeed. But even without them, I just want you to know that God is enough. Amen.